I'm excited we're beginning a new sermon series today. I'm really excited about it. It's called Forward in Hope. Uh, by the way, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, and, and, and uh, technically that means we receive your appreciation, but it's also, to me, means we as your pastors and our whole pastoral staff appreciate you. Uh, we want to express our appreciation to you. If you're here today, if you're watching online, uh, we just want to say how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, how much we appreciate you being here, how much we appreciate your faithfulness in attendance, how much we appreciate your faithfulness in giving, in serving, in, in entering in, in praying, in worshiping. Uh, it, it takes all of us for this to happen, and, and you're a very important part of that, and we love you and appreciate you so much. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our heart. This is us thanking you. We love you. But we really feel this uh, series is timely because of all that's going on in the, in the world. A lot of people have lost hope for the future. And we can see that in the world. I, I mean, our world is fighting so many things. We have this worldwide pandemic. I mean, I've never seen anything that's impacted everything on the face of the earth like, like this. And, and we have these threats of terrorism around the world and, and ever-increasing disasters. I mean, every time you turn around, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, there's a, there's a flood, there's a tornado. And, and you can't do anything about those things. So it makes people feel helpless and hopeless. In our nation, we have an ever-increasing division and and debt low that seems so large, it seems insurmountable. And so a lot of people just get hopeless over their things, over those things. In fact, this is the first generation of Americans coming up who, who do not have hope that they'll be better off than their parents financially. And so many young Americans are, are very pessimistic about their future and hopeless about their future. So we have hopelessness in the world, hopelessness in our nation, and, and, and also personally, many people have hopelessness. Maybe you get discouraged at school, maybe you've given it your best and, and you failed a class, maybe you're hopeless at work, you, you've worked hard and you get laid off, maybe you're hopeless in relationships and with friends or family, uh, it just seems like all the relationships around you are falling apart, and maybe uh, you're hopeless in your finances, maybe you, you're, the money's tight. Bill collectors call him. He's so broke, you don't even, you can't even afford to buy hamburger for your helper. <laughs> we used to live on hamburger helper and tuna helper for years. I know what that's like. I know what it's like. To, and so hopeless, listen, probably one of the biggest pandemics today is hopelessness. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we should always have hope. We always have reason to have hope. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, In his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope. We are born into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When we're born again, not only are we born again unto salvation, not, are, not only are we born again unto eternal life, not only are we born again into the family of God, we are born into a living hope. Get this down. Uh, this hope is alive. It, it's, it doesn't come and go. And, and, and someone once said, there's no hopeless situation. There's only situations people have grown hopeless about. But listen to me. Biblical hope is faith for the future. It's not wishful thinking. It's to confidently believe something will happen to the, in the future to the point that you prepare for it. Now let me ask you, what are you preparing for? Are you preparing yourself for everything to fall apart? 
Are you preparing yourself for everything to get worse? Or, or are you preparing for, 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 are you hopeful that God's blessing, you will see the blessing of the Lord in the land of the living? Are you preparing for disaster or are you plan, preparing for the goodness of God in your life? I once heard about this quaint, well-cared-for New England town, and this town was always, everything was manicured, the lawns and the streets, and there's no trash. Everybody just kept it so nice. And one day, somebody came to town to visit their relatives, and they hadn't been there in a long time, and the town looked all shabby and trashy and uncared for, and they couldn't figure it out. And they said, they asked their relative, why does this town look so bad? And the relative said, well, you must not have heard, but... uh, this town is going to be the site of a new electric power plant, and they're going to put a dam across the river, and this town is going to be submerged underwater. And so when the project was announced, the people were given a lot of time to arrange, get their affairs in order and to move away. But during those months, here's what happened. All improvements ceased. Nobody was painting their house anymore. Nobody was redecorating their house. Nobody was repairing any sidewalks or roads or buildings. Every day the town got shabbier and shabbier and trashier and trashier. And a long time, a long time before those waters ever rose and submerged the town, the town looked abandoned. Even before the people moved away. That town was cursed with hopelessness because it had no future. And here's what one of the citizens explained. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. I want you, if you get anything down, get this today. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. And many people live their life that way. Without hope for the future, they have no power in the present. Without hope for the future, they have no motivation to do anything. Without hope for the future, they have no endurance to persevere through the tough times. We are, but we are born into a, a living hope, so we need to learn to live in hope. See, the Bible says that people who are without Christ are without hope. Ephesians 2.12 says, here's how you used to live. You live in this world without God and without hope. If you're without God, you're without hope. But those people who trust in Jesus Christ are born into a living hope, a a hope that lasts forever, a life-changing hope. And listen, I've been around long enough to face some times that seem hopeless to me. There's many times I've faced things that seemed hopeless. I understand that. But I submit to you today that hopelessness is not a result of of circumstances. It's a result of misplaced faith. People who put their trust in people to fix their problems are doomed to hopelessness. People who put their faith in the government to fix all their problems are doomed to hopelessness. People who put all their trust in themselves are doomed to hopelessness. Psalm 118 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That's the the government. Hope comes from having faith in something bigger than ourselves. Now today I want to look at two men in the Bible who had to overcome hopelessness in order to move forward in hope. And, I, and I've preached on these men before in the past, but as I prayed about and studied this week, uh, I, I was got another sermon I started, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll preach on that next week. But th- this one just came to me that I, this is the way I need to start this series. And these two men 
were disciples of Christ. They weren't part of the 12, but they were part of the larger group that followed Jesus. Now think about the disciples after the death of Jesus Christ, between the death and the resurrection, okay? Talk about disappointment, discouragement, grief, hopelessness. It seems like the bottom fell out of their lives. All all their dreams seemed to vanish when Jesus died on the cross. and, And all their hopes for their future were buried with him in that tomb. And this band of the followers of Christ were were leaderless, falling apart. And Luke 24 is going to be our text for today. And it it records a story of two of these disciples who got discouraged and hopeless, threw in the towel, and headed back home. They were from a town called Emmaus, which is about seven or eight miles west of Jerusalem. And from them, we we see what hopelessness looks like, and we also see how to move forward in hope. You ready for it? All right, out of Luke 24, verse 13, it says, Now that same day, this day they're talking about, is the day that they found the empty tomb. So when you read in Luke 24, they found the empty tomb, and, but they didn't see Jesus. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. The first thing I want you to see is this. Hopelessness can cause you to give up and go back. Give up and go back. When we're discouraged, we tend to withdraw from difficult, painful situations. We tend to give up. And when we give up, we tend to go back to what is familiar to us. These men were giving up on their hopes and their dreams. They were decided that Jesus, they were devoted to Jesus, but now he was dead. It was over. So they were going back home, going back to their old life, going back to their old friends. And it wasn't this, just them. In John 21, 3, the other disciples also went back to what was familiar to them. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. This is after the death of Jesus Christ. What are we going to do? Well, we're fishermen. Let's go back to fishing. You've got to watch out for this when you get discouraged. Listen, hopelessness can cause you to give up and go back. And when I say go back, I'm talking about go backwards, or we use the term backslide. It's a slide usually. It's not an instant jumping off a cliff. It's a slow slide going back. Going back to the old ways, the old ways of thinking. Going back to old friends. Going back to the old life. Uh, And listen, life doesn't always turn out like we expect it to. But don't ever let that drive you back to the old ways. That will only make things work. Don't let discouragement and hopelessness turn you on God. Listen, he's your only hope. If you turn on God, you have no cause for hope. We saw that earlier. If you're without God, you're without hope. Don't let hopelessness cause you to give up. Listen, I don't know what you're fighting today. I don't know what you're fighting for. I don't know what what you're fighting against. You may have been fighting so long and hard that you're tired and discouraged. Maybe your dream is dead, but take heart today. Be confident in this. Your leader is not dead. Jesus Christ is alive and well. We started this service singing that. He is alive and he can give you a living hope that God who started a good work in you promised to complete it. So don't give up and don't go back. And if you've been on that road backwards, if you've been on that downward slide, I encourage you today, repent. That means turn around. Get back on the right road. Secondly, hopelessness can move you off God's word and onto the wrong road. When we're hopeless, we tend to stray away from the word of God. You ever notice that? You start losing hope. You start, yeah, you, you know, reading your Bible is just like, yeah, you kind of get away from it. But think about this. Before Jesus was crucified, he tried to prepare his disciples <laughs> 
He tried to explain to them, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. And in Matthew 26, 32, he says, after I have risen, I will go ahead, of, go ahead of you into Galilee. In fact, the disciples were told three times. Jesus told them, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to meet you in Galilee. But on this very day, where his tomb was empty, they should have known he rose again. None of them got it. We need to hurry up to Galilee. He's going to meet us there. Where were these two guys headed? To Emmaus, the wrong direction. The blue arrow, at the, Jerusalem's down here. Emmaus is due west of Jerusalem. Galilee is, is due north. They were headed in the total wrong direction. Hopelessness can get you headed in the wrong direction. It can move you off of God's word and onto the wrong road. It can move you away from the plan of God. And that's so dangerous because once we get headed in the wrong direction, we end up somewhere we should not be. And when we move off God's word, we get out of God's will. And when we move out of God's will, we miss out on God's blessing. So don't let hopelessness cause you to get out of God's word, get you on the wrong road, and miss out on the blessing of God. Thirdly, hopelessness can cause you not to see God in your situation. (laughs) Listen to this. We're in Luke 24, verse 14. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I'm very, I'm very encouraged here by the fact that even though these guys were on the wrong road, Jesus told them, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. They were headed to Emmaus. Jesus came after them. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that, isn't that an awesome thing? He came after them. That, that's a great thing. And I want you to know, if, you, if you're on the wrong road, uh, uh, you may not even be recognizing Jesus right then, but he's going to come after it. And in fact, he probably is after you right now if you're on the wrong road and you don't even recognize him. Like, the, like these guys, your eyes are, are, are kept from recognizing him. They were, they were walking and talking with the risen Lord, about the Lord, and didn't even know it was him. And and the same way when our hopes and dreams are not coming true, when we're disappointed, God can come after us and be right in the middle of what's going on in our lives, and we don't even see it. We can be like Jacob in Genesis 28, 16. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Listen, we're believers. We're people of faith. And, and, And in theory, we know God is with us at all times. We know he never leaves us or forsakes us. But when we, when we get discouraged, we can start saying things like, God doesn't care. God, where are you? But, but he's there and we don't even recognize it. God can be right in the middle of our marriage. Listen to me. But we're so disappointed in our spouse that we can't even see God in our marriage. God can be right in the middle of our finances, but we're so disappointed in our bank account that we can't even see God there. God can be right in the middle of our lives, but, but we're so disappointed in ourselves that we can't even see God. But he's right there all along. But hopelessness keeps us from seeing God. Hopelessness causes us not to believe God's word. Jesus said to these two men in Luke 24, 25, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? He's trying to remind them. But when we're disappointed, we got the word of God. We got the Holy Spirit reminding us. But if we stop receiving the word, stop hearing, we stop receiving. James 1, 6-7 says, but when you ask, 
You must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. If we start getting into doubt rather than in faith, if we lose hope and get into unbelief, uh, then we, we won't receive anything from God at the very time we need it. But with God's help, we can turn doubt into hope. How do we do it? Hopelessness requires seeing God. Overcoming hopelessness requires seeing God in our situation. And that usually happens either through the word or, or through worship. It's times like today when we got into that, that, that time of worship, God can give you some revelation. God can deal with some things in five, ten minutes like that that you would never have dealt with any other way. He can open the word to you. And that happened to the men on the Emmaus Road. Luke 24, 27 says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Could you imagine that, having Jesus teaching you out of the Old Testament, how it all pointed towards him? And this started restoring hope in their men, hearing these men, hearing the, the word of God. That's why they said in Luke 24, 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Listen, you'll never understand this Bible until Jesus opens the scriptures to you, until he opens your eyes to it. But when he does, you can move forward in hope because Romans 15, 4 says this, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So I don't know where you're at today. You might be on the right road, on the wrong road, but I'm encouraging you to get into the Word and get the Word in you because that is what restores your hope, renewing your mind with the Word of God. And then fourthly, we see that hopelessness can cause you to dwell in the past and miss God in the now. Oh, somebody needs to hear this this morning. If you dwell in the past, always thinking about the past, always uh, obsessed with it, you can miss what God is doing right now. Listen to what happened in verses 17 through 19. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk and are sad? One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that happen in these, these days? He's talking to Jesus now. What things, Jesus asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping. Not hoping anymore. Lost our hope. Hopeless now. We were hoping he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they went on and told, told Jesus about all the great things that Jesus did in, in the past. But they ended their story with Jesus being dead. Because they had lost hope. They were standing in the presence of the one who is the resurrection and the life. And they were talking like he was dead. Some of us, like some of us pray. Some of us pray like God is dead. Some of us pray like God has no power. Some of us pray like, like, like God is not there. And many of us are hopeless because our stories end with Jesus dead. We have stories about defeat, but no victory. We have stories about sickness, but no healing. We have stories about poverty, but no blessing. But God wants to get us out of what's happened in the past and to again begin to hope and expect new and better things in the future. 
That's why Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So many of us do not see that God is, wants to do a new thing in us. We can't perceive it. And because of that, we get hopeless. But God says right now, I want you to begin to see. It starts with you beginning to see and beginning to hear the word of the Lord. God does not want you to live in hopelessness. He died and rose again so that you might have hope. And remember, I'm not just talking about hope so. I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about maybe or possibly or, or it might happen. Many people think of hope kind of along the lines of, well, I hope I win a, a, a million dollars or I inherit a million dollars. I, I hope I get that job. I, I hope it doesn't rain. Too many Christians live on, I hope so. They say things like, I hope God heard my prayer. You hope God heard your prayer. That's not true Bible hope. God doesn't respond to hope so. He responds to faith. And biblical faith is confident expectation that God will fulfill his promise. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without hope, we live in hopelessness with no faith for the future. But the truth is that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God can turn hopelessness into hope. Now, I don't know what you're hopeless about today, but I'm going to give you three steps right here that happened to these men that I'm praying also happens in our lives. First of all, here's how we restore hope. First of all, hope comes from seeing God in our situation. These men on the Emmaus Road asked Jesus to eat with them, and in verse 30 and 31, when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. To restore hope in our situations, we've got to see God in our situation. Remember, without God, we're without hope. As long as our eyes are on ourselves, we stay hopeless. As long as our eyes are on our circumstances, we will stay hopeless. As long as our eyes are on our past, we will stay hopeless. As long as our eyes are on the mess we've created or somebody else created for us, we'll stay hopeless. But to overcome that, we've got to get our eyes back on God. How does that happen? In the Emmaus story, when were their eyes opened? At the moment of thanksgiving. When Jesus gave thanks. Restoring hopes, secondly, starts with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the gateway into God's presence. And praise will open your eyes to see God in your situation. But here's the problem. When you're discouraged and hopeless, you don't feel like praising. There doesn't seem like there's anything to be thankful for. At moments like this, we've got to do what the psalmist said in Psalm 43, 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Look at the psalmist, David. He's talking to himself. David, put your hope in God. Joe, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We've got to praise God even when we feel disappointed or discouraged or or depressed. Praise God when we're hopeless because when praise rises, hope rises. If you need hope back in your life, get the praise back in your life. It may be painful, it may hurt, but offer up a sacrifice of praise to God even when you don't feel like it because God inhabits that praise. That brings God's presence right into the middle of your mess. And Hebrews 6.19 says, praise gets us into the present. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Remember, praise is a way. 
We enter his gates and it, with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. Praise is the way into his presence. It, it's that new and living way by the blood of Jesus, but also through praise. That gets us into his presence where we find an anchor. We need an anchor for our life, and that anchor is called hope. Hope's the opposite of disappointment. When you're disappointed, you want to run, but hope will anchor you. When you're disappointed, you tend to get on the wrong road, but hope will anchor you. When you're disappointed, you feel like giving up and going back, but hope will anchor you. When you're discouraged and hopeless, you're easily blown off course, but hope will anchor you. So I encourage you today, overcome your disappointment by pressing into God, pressing into his presence, giving him thanks, giving him praise. Find something to be thankful for. Begin to bless his name. Get into his presence and get your soul anchored in hope. And then lastly, restoring hope requires returning to God and his people. Listen. Back to Luke 24, these two men on the Emmaus Road in verse 33, they got up after they recognized Jesus, after the thanksgiving, he disappeared. They got up, returned at once to Jerusalem. Yeah. At once. Yeah. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this word. Two words. At once. <laughs> at once. At once. At once. What are you waiting on? Why are you putting it off? What do you think is going to get better by waiting? You think the hopeless situation is going to turn around on its own? No, you've got to turn around and get back on the right road. Get back to God. Get back to praise. Get back to the Word. Get back to church. Listen, they, they, at once they returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen. When you're discouraged, you want to run from your problems, but God wants you to run to Him. He wants you to run to His people with your problems. Remember, without God, you're without hope, but the only only way to move forward is to return to God. And many times, a lot of times, that hope is tied in re to returning to church. So many people these days are getting used to being away from church. And, and I realize some people have health issues, but I'm telling you, hope is found in the people of God, in the presence of God. There's something about us being together, worshiping, praising, uh, uh, hearing the word that, that brings hope to our lives. And when you turn to God, place your faith in Him, you'll find that His promises are, are true and His his plans for you are always good. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plan to give you a hope and a future. God wants to give you fresh hope. God wants to give you a hope for your future. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we have a living hope, a lasting hope, a life-changing hope. We have an enemy who wants to keep us hopeless. Remember that. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to keep us beat down and broke up. He wants to keep us over our heads and under pressure. He wants to keep us living above our means and living beneath our destiny. He wants to keep us at a loss at any cost. He wants to keep us passed over and past due. He wants to keep us off track and off balance. He wants to keep us in a hurry, keep us in a mess, keep us in pain, keep us in doubt, keep us in hopelessness, keep us between a rock and a hard place, and uses all those ways to bring hopelessness into our life. But through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, through the Word of God, through
through the power of God, by the presence of God, through the Holy Spirit, we can face anything in life with the assurance that Jesus will get us through. He began something in us. He will complete it. That gives us a living hope. That keeps us always moving forward in hope. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So what's God saying to you today? What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Is there a situation in your life you've grown hopeless about? Has it got you on the wrong road? Has it got you getting in the wrong direction? Has it got you out of praise? Has it got you out of church? Has it got you just, just in a mess? It's time today to begin the process. At once. I, I'm declaring that at once. Today. Right now. Now. Today's the day of salvation. Stop putting it off. It's only going to get worse. Things left to themselves only get worse. Turn. Today is the day. Turn to the Lord. God, I pray for every single hopeless situation right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you would uh, show us the next step. If we're on the wrong road, get us back on the right road. If we need to repent of a sin, Lord, we repent. We get back in your word. We get back in your church. We get back in praise. Lord, we get back giving you thanks for you are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, open our eyes to see you in our situation. God, and I just pray for a gift of hope for every hopeless person. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down front.